eight. Uh, Terry, we'll put you on the spot again. Risky business, letting the blind people come and, and read. Not only are they allowing me to read, but you get a lesson in Jewish history because it's Psalm 78 and it's cause for you to remind the generations <clears throat> because the lesson was passed down. So if you have a Bible in your pew, it's Psalm 78. And I have one little exercise I'd like you to do this morning. Um, I would like you to unclench your fists in your hands and uh, lay your hands out in front of you for just a moment. We hold on to a lot of things. And it keeps us from getting sometimes what God would would send in this message. So I do want you to follow along if you can. And if you can't, hold your hands out in front and uh, don't let them do this. Okay? So tell the coming generation, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. <clears throat> I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. <clears throat> he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so they should set their hope in God and not forget the words of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites armed with the bow turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his words and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan, 
he divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drinks abundant, abundantly from the deep. And he made streams come out of the rock and caused the waters to flow like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the most high in the desert. They tested God in their heart and demanded the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck rock so that the water gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? Therefore, when God heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger arose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. And he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them grain of heaven. Man ate the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he led out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas, and he let them fall in the midst of their camp, all around their dwellings, and they ate and were well filled, for he gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their cravings, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them and laid low the young men of Israel. In spite of this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. So he made their days vanish like a breath and their years in terror. When he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. They remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. But he flattered, they, but they flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their, their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up his wrath. He remembered that they were flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day he redeemed them from the foe when he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the field of Zoan. He turned their rivers to blood so they could not drink their, their streams. He sent them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave their crops to the destroying locusts and the fruit of their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamores with frost. He gave their cattle, <coughs> gave over their cattle in to the hail and their flocks to thunderbolts. He let loose on them his burning anger, wrath, indignation, 
and distress, a company of destroying angels. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare them from from death, but gave their lives over to the plague. He struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the firstfruits of their strength in the tents of Ham. Yet then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies, and he brought them to his holy land, to the mountain which his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned for them a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow, for they provided, for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. When God heard, he was full of wrath, and he utterly rejected Israel. He forsook his dwellings at Shiloh, the tent where he had dwelt among mankind, and delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe. He gave his people over to the sword and vented his wrath on his heritage. Fire devoured their young men, and their young women had no married song. Their priests fell by the sword and their widows made no lamentation. Then the Lord awoke from his from sleep like a strong man shouting because of wine, and he put his adversaries to rout. He put them to everlasting shame. He rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant. He took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. May God add his blessing in your life to God's word. Amen. Thank you, Terry. Peggy, will you come and pray? Let's pray. Oh, the depths of the riches of your wisdom and knowledge, Lord God. How unsearchable are your judgments. Your paths are beyond tracing out. Who has known your mind, Lord? Who has been your counselor? Who has ever given to you that you should repay them? For from you and through you and for you are all things. To you be the glory forever. Amen. And so our Family Sunday is also a review time for the catechism questions that we've 
learned this past month. And so we'll start with catechism question number 49 in our review. Where is Christ now? We'll say this together, our short answer. If we can go back to the short answer. I know the short answer. I know the answer to the short answer. Okay, let's say this together. Christ rose bodily from the grave on the third day after his death and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And our scripture is Ephesians 1, 20 through 21. Let's say this together as well. He raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all the rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Let's sing, Jesus shall reign where the sun, where air the sun. Let's stand, yes. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does its successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till sun shall rise and set no more. Blessings abound where Thank you. 
Where is Christ now? A follow-up question would be, or could be, what is he doing? Is he biding his time, twiddling his thumbs, waiting for the Father to give the okay to return to earth to take us home and renew all things? I don't think so. The scriptures from cover to cover testify of the absolute authority and sovereignty of our Lord Jesus Christ in the past, in the present, and the future to come. He is and will continue to be sovereign over all creation. Scripture testifies that he holds the earth, sun, moon, stars in their orbits, and he knows every star by name. He knows when each bird falls. Paul Tripp, in his book, Do You Believe?, states that there are 13,700,000 birds that die every day in just America. He knows everyone that falls. He is sovereign over all storms. Ask the disciples about that. Ask the Apostle Paul about that. He is sovereign over the individual fish and the individual worm. Talk to Jonah about that. He is and will be forever sovereign over all rule, all authority, all power, and all dominion. And his name is sovereign over every name in the heavenly realms and here on this earth. He is sovereign over death and the grave because of his resurrection, which Daryl is going to review with us in a little bit. And he will judge the living and the dead with the authority to intercede on our behalf even now and declare your sins and my sins forgiven if we but put our faith and trust in him. Just prior to his crucifixion, Christ prayed this high priestly prayer. He said, 
Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you, would ha whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you in, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Hundreds of years before Christ was born, the prophet Isaiah testified of, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the utter sovereignty, yet tender love of Christ over all his creation, mankind in general, and his people specifically. In Isaiah 40, Isaiah penned, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she, they, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has held the waters in the water in the measure in the palm of his hand and marked off the heavens with the span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has instructed him? Whom did he consult for his enlightenment? And who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, all the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the aisles like fine dust. To whom then will you liken God or what likeness compare with him? The idol, a workman casts it 
and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He was impoverished, chooses for an offering wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an image that will not move. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the world? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely is their stem taken root in the soil. When he blows upon them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, calling, bringing out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and why do you speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is what our Savior is doing right now as seated and sovereign Lord in heaven holding all things together by the power of his word, governing the nations, interceding for you and for me before the throne of the Father. And no, he is definitely not twiddling his thumbs. So. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Wow, what an encouraging day. What an encouraging word. Now, our catechism question number 50. What does Christ's resurrection mean for us? We should be very happy to say this short answer together. Christ, Christ triumphed, triumphed over sin and death, that all who trust in him are raised to new life in this world and to everlasting life in the world to come. In our scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14, let's say this together. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And we do have hope. So let's stand again and sing. Crown him with many crowns.
crowned him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly emblem drowns all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king. Found him the Lord of life, who triumphed o'er the grave, and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save. His glories now we sing, who died and rose on high, who died eternal life to bring and live. Him the Lord of peace, whose power of scepter sways from pole to pole that wars may cease and all be prayer and praise. His reign shall know no end, and round his lucid feet, fair flowers of paradise extend their fragrance. What does Christ's resurrection mean for us? And our verse was, But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And we went over three portions of the resurrection. The first portion was that Christ died and he rose again, but that in his death, that paid for our sin. 
so we understand where we're coming from. Um, what I spent a great deal of time talking about, or we did, uh, that we are raised to new life. And I, I have a, another verse for that. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And we spoke about this newness of life and that we have a uh, sacrament, we do, that we, we are baptized. And we say we are baptized, or sorry, we are buried in the likeness of Christ and raised again, or like him, in, <laughs> to newness of life. Um, and the idea is that um, we identify with Christ's death. Christ's death takes care of our sins and that we are raised to new life now and so that we are freed from this bondage of sin. All right, and then there were questions I, I asked you guys said, to, to ponder over these things. It's, am I truly made new? Now, Christ died for your sins, and he was raised up. This is what we say. We say, um, we say he is risen. And the crowd goes, he is risen indeed. And we are celebrating this new life now, paid by Christ. And the challenge was, are you going to walk in newness of life? Romans 8, 1 through 7. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That first line, when we die, when we wake up in the morning, we have no condemnation. We have new relationship with God. For the law of, for the, law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that we, sorry, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh. This is the point. We are not going to walk according to our flesh anymore, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So we need to turn to God and ask for forgiveness and all and ask for these things and he will finish the work. The last portion of this catechism I shared was on uh, was on there is a resurrection after death. So we went through um, 
Christ dying for our sins, Christ raising up, and then how we don't use this, but how do we live this resurrection during our life day to day? It's been a great challenge to look at it like, well, Christ, you died for my sins. Um, I am freed from these sins. I'm freed from this bondage. And how do I live that out? I've been challenged more and more. The last portion of the catechism that we went over was, um, is a, I think the main, for, uh, the main point of the catechism was that there is a resurrection after death. That when we die, we can trust that we will be raised up with Christ. And it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 16, For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And it goes on in 20 to say, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so we put our trust in that. Since we know that Christ has been raised, we can rest and know that there's no fear in death. That Christ has paid the cost. So when we die, when we meet our judge, we will know that we are clean. And then we will know that there is just not nothing because we have seen Christ raised. The, the last portion was that people are always raised to eternal life, we call it, for the saved. But it's death for the unbeliever. So we know we are eternal. And I had one verse I'd like to read. And you can turn with me there. It's John 10. John 10, 7. So Jesus said again to them, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find a pasture. The thief only comes to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, I'm going to read till 18, but I want you to, to pick up on the abundantly part. This is a, a huge blessing for Christians to be freed. It's, a, I think, a misconception of our new life in Christ is that we are raised again to this dreary, drab, chains, these rules. But what I have found and what many of you, I'm sure, have found is that you are raised to a new life, something that's freed from this or that, freed from what you were raised with that causes you trouble. Um, the sin, the, the flesh, the things we fight against. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. Oh, sorry. Oh, 
Oh, he who is a, sorry guys, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I leave, sorry, this charge I received from my father. And I want you guys to listen to two, uh, a few things. Uh, he lays his life down for the sheep. He has, his, uh, has the authority, he is God, to, to give it and to take it up again. Um, he received this charge from the Father, and and please ponder uh, this point. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> we can clap. I know Daryl won't take any of it. I know he won't, because this is all just God working and doing. I, I kept thinking, what a day, glorious day that will be, but what a day, glorious day this is. So we'll go to our next encouraging, wonderful, glorious catechism question number 51. Of what advantage to us is Christ's ascension? Let's say our short answer together. Christ is now advocating for us in the presence of his Father, and also sends us his spirit. And our scripture from Romans 8.34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Let's stand and sing again. Jesus, my Redeemer, there is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet 
So this last catechism question that we just covered, uh, uh, question 51, of what advantage is Christ's, decision, uh, Christ's ascension? And we know that Christ physically ascended. He, he was resurrected on our behalf. He is, as just as he came down to earth physically, he, is, uh, he ascended back into heaven, and he now sits at the right hand of the, of the Father. And he is advocating on our behalf. He is our high priest. He is your high priest. He intercedes on your behalf. God looks at you as made right with him because of Jesus Christ. Amen? You are made right with Christ. One of the other things that this piece says is that he is preparing a place for us. In John chapter 14, Jesus wants to assure his disciples, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is not all there is. There is life to come. There is eternal life to come. He says, I am preparing a place for you. And if, I, if it were not so, I would have told you. And so Jesus Christ is now preparing a place with your name on it. And when you go to heaven, you'll know right where to go. And that is just awesome. And I just want you to know, as, as Daryl just spoke about, it is a prepared place for prepared people. You must be prepared. You must receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior in order to be his, his child. And he also sends us his Holy Spirit. And I just want you to know that is amazing. That is an amazing gift. God sends you his Holy Spirit that now lives in you. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. His Holy Spirit lives in you. One of the things that I just want to say, the question that this catechism uh, brings, uh, this, the statement brings to us, here's the question that I, that I want you to, to, to really ponder. Can you rest in God's care? Can you rest in his care? If he freely offered up his son for you, will he not, will he forget you now? Even now, will he forget you? Will he just, just forget about you? Will he just say, well, that was good. Hope, I hope you make it. No, he will not forget you. Jesus has made the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will be with you always, even into the end of the age. God has, has so done an amazing work. And these catechism questions bring us down to a point of assurance of hope. And I just want us to understand that. In fact, the question is asked, if God is for us, who can be against us? No one, it says in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 35 or 38. Uh, is he on our side now? Uh, he, 
If he is for you, who can be against you? And again, the question is asked uh, as, as we, can you rest in God's care? Can you truly rest in it? Can anyone bring a charge against you? No, Jesus, God is our, the judge of all judges. The, the, he rules the Supreme Court. He is the supreme ruler. And he has not condemned you, as, as, as Daryl brought out the point in, in uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ. You were not condemned any longer. This is all assurance for us. Nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Can you rest in God's care? Can you rest in it? I just want to share as we're moving through these questions, as we're being reminded today, God wants you to know him. God wants you to walk in newness of life, to know that he has given you new life in Christ Jesus. He wants you to walk in that newness of life. He wants you to know that nothing can separate you from his love, that he cares absolutely for, for you. You know, I, I think of uh, a song that uh, pastor and songwriter uh, Charles Wesley wrote it's there it's in your bulletin you don't have to it's not in your bulletin it's it's in your songbook but he wrote this in response to this he says arise o soul arise shake off thy guilty fears the bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears before the throne my surety stands my name is written on his hands he ever lives above for me to intercede, his all-redeeming love, his precious blood to plead, his blood atone for all our race, and sprinkled now on the throne of grace. Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary, they pour effectual prayers, they strongly plead for me, forgive him, oh forgive, they cry, nor let them nor let the, that ransom sinner die. My God is reconciled. His pardoned voice I hear. He owns me. He owns me for his, uh, for his child. I can no longer fear. With confidence, I now draw nigh. And I now draw nigh. And Father, Abba, Father, cry. This is... This is the confidence that you and I have in Christ Jesus. The question is asked, can you trust in God's care? He has given you amazing assurance, and we are here today to proclaim that and to testify of that and to speak of that. Later, we're going to have a baptism today, and a young man came to me last Sunday and says, Pastor Dan, I want to I be baptized after hearing the testimony from Alyssa Collins and, and just God really spoke to me. He said, I want to testify of Christ's love in me. I want to testify of that assurance that I have in Christ. And so as, as we partake of communion, and I'll turn it over to Tom here as we just move into our time of communion, just know that we will also celebrate and acknowledge Jesus Christ is alive and well.
and he gives you hope and surety of your faith. what you've done. Father, what you continue to do, interceding for us. Father, always working, always loving. Uh, Your Son, always on our behalf. Father, we are so grateful to be able to come before you now and to say we praise you and you alone. Father, we do want to live with the assurance that you have promised us. Help us, Lord, to be confident in all that you have done. Father, we ask your hand on our congregation, and uh, Lord, to lead us closer to you, but also, Father, to take this time in this, in this day, in this moment of encouragement, to remember your death and resurrection. Father, to remember that your son went willingly to his death and to the resurrection and through the pain and through the suffering on our behalf because it was your will. Father, it was your will that we would be here today to praise you, Father, for all that you've done. As we head into this communion time, Lord, where we can share in the body and the blood of your Son, we ask your peace in our hearts and our and guidance in our minds, courage and strength to go forward in this day. In Jesus' name we pray. So you're invited to come up. We'll be playing a couple of songs um, and be served. I think we need another server. Do we have Dennis, maybe? Could you come up and help serve, please? Thank you. So again, as we're as we're going through. Just a couple of instructions. Uh there is juice on half of the of the tray, and then the bread is in the cup as well. And if you would take those, and if you would come as family, you know, one of the things that we did during uh, the pandemic and everyone being afraid of who touches what and whatever, uh, we've invited you to come. Come as family. Uh, that's what this has really done is created just a time of family and just being together. Uh, uh, Elder Daryl will, will uh, take a tray, and if you cannot come forward, just raise your hand, and he will serve you. And uh, just uh, want you to be able to partake together. You know, I just think of, of uh, the Apostle Paul as he gives instruction. He says, I receive from the Lord that which I also give to you. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, he says that the Lord took bread and then he gave a prayer for it. And he thanked God for the sacrifice of his body on the cross on your behalf. And that is just amazing. And then he said he took the cup and he said, this represents the new covenant in my blood which is given for you. And again, this is Christ's blood, sacrifice shed for you. Jesus paid it all. Amen? He paid it all. He paid it all. And so we'll just start the music and, and then uh, just, just invite you to come forward and just be family together. You can come as families. And, and, and I'm just going to ask that you just take the cup and the bread yourself, and then uh, we'll say some things after that. So.
Yeah. 
All righty. So this is this is Evan, and Evan and I talked last Sunday. Uh, he was uh, really very moved by uh, Alyssa and Byron's testimony, both, but just said, "I I want to be baptized." And uh, Evan, I just want to ask you: Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. Then it gives us great honor and privilege, as as Daryl said. The, the Scripture says it represents buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection to new life. So you want to live in newness of life? Yes. All right. Amen.